the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a ring of truth that is unmistakable Knowing that you cannot find alone And if you listen carefully And sometimes even if you don't You can hear that sound Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. They are unashamedly and flagrantly rebelling against God. They're in His face about it. And what is God doing the whole time that they are rebelling against Him? He's standing with His arms wide open, inviting them back. So that's the heart of our God. Says, All day long, I've got my hands out. I've got my arms open. I'm ready to receive them back. And they're just flaunting their sin in my face, but I'm standing there with my arms open. That's the heart of our Lord towards the rebellious person and towards the sinner. Today, Pastor Dan talks about the unashamed attitude that Israel had towards God. Have you ever loved someone even though they were doing everything to make you hate them? Israel's attitude was brazen and flagrantly opposed to what God wanted for them. He protected them and blessed them time and again. And finally, Israel believed that they could do no wrong. They believed they were holier than God. Pastor Dan reminds us today that no matter how far you've fallen, how rebellious you've been, God is waiting for you with arms open. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 65, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Well, if you remember last week in chapter 64, Isaiah the prophet gave this this wonderful prayer. And in that prayer, he asked that the Lord would come down from heaven and save his people Israel. If you remember back in chapter 64, verse 1, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and that you would come down. And now in Isaiah 65, the Lord God uh, responds to Isaiah's request, Isaiah's prayer for him to come down. Uh, and he says now in verse 1, I was sought by those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. And verse 1 is speaking of the Gentiles. The Lord is speaking of the Gentiles here, non-Jews. And the Apostle Paul quoted these verses in Romans chapter 10, verses 20 and 21. And Paul tells us there that he's, He's speaking of the Gentiles as well. Now, if you think about the book of Acts and Paul on his missionary journeys, and quite often you would see Paul go into a Gentile city, and he would go to the synagogue first, and after he was rejected by the Jews, he would go and 
preached the gospel to the Gentiles in that town, and quite often the Gentiles would respond and receive Christ. Paul would literally show up in town, proclaim Christ to them and the gospel to them. They would hear it for the first time, and they would just respond and receive Christ. They, they weren't seeking God. They weren't calling upon the name of the Lord. They weren't trying to find God or anything like that. God just kind of showed up and revealed himself to them. And I think probably for many of us and for many people, this is kind of our story. Some of us, some, some of you grew up in church maybe, knew of the Lord your whole life. You always kind of knew the Lord from a young age. You knew the scriptures. You know, you were trained up in, in the Lord. But for others of us, uh, we were just kind of going about our life, walking on the broad path that leads to destruction, doing our own thing, not seeking God, not looking for God in, in any way, not trying to find him. And God just sovereignly and graciously revealed himself to us in some way. Maybe God puts you in a, in a particular situation that caused you to begin to call upon God or begin to, to seek God. Maybe some circumstances or a trial or a difficulty or a loss or an illness. Or maybe it was uh, loneliness you know, or depression or fear or something. For some of us, that was just it. Like We weren't seeking God, but just the circumstances that came into our life got us seeking God, where we, we came to the place where we realized, you know, I can't handle this. I can't do this on my own. I don't have the resources for this. I mean, we called upon the name of the Lord. And for many of us, it was the first time in our lives that we sought God. And God called to us, here I am. Here I am. You know, and God revealed himself to us. You know, God wants us to know him. God wants us to have a relationship with him. And sometimes God will do things or God will allow things into our life to get our attention. Because otherwise we'd never seek him. And God will use our circumstances sometimes just to rattle our cage enough to get us looking up for him. And that's the story of so many people. And that's what he's describing here with the Gentiles. They weren't seeking God. They weren't living for God in any way. And then God puts situations and circumstances in their lives where now they, they sought God. And he says, I was sought by those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. I said to them, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. Now in verse 2, he speaks of the children of Israel. Look what he says here. I have stretched out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good according to their own thoughts. God says of Israel, my arms have always been wide open to them. Remember Isaiah's prayer back in chapter 64. Oh Lord, rend the heavens and come down, save us. And God's response is, hey, my arms have always been wide open to Israel. My salvation has always been available to them. You know, they've always had an open door with me. They've always had an open invitation. But they refuse to repent. They refuse to come back. They refuse to turn. They're rebellious. You know, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, 
in Matthew 23, verse 37. There, Jesus, he laments for Jerusalem. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. This is what Jesus wants to do. He said, I wanted to gather your children. You know, I wanted to protect them and guard them. Like a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings. He says, but you weren't willing. You wouldn't let me. And here the Lord says a similar thing. He says, hey, my, my hands have been stretched out all day long to these people. But they, they don't respond. They don't turn back. You know, God's arms are always wide open to the sinner. Always. We're all prone to wander, Right? We're all prone to leave the God we love, but God always is standing with his arms wide open, ready to welcome us back, ready to receive us back to himself. Isaiah here, he calls the children of Israel, he calls them a rebellious people. And then he defines what it means to be a rebellious people. And so he tells us here, a rebellious people walk, According to their own thoughts. That means they do what they want to do. You know, they trust in their own wisdom. They trust in their own judgments. They trust in their own thinking. They do what seems right in their own eyes and not what's right in God's eyes. In Proverbs 28, it says, Those who trust in themselves are fools. That was Israel. Just doing their own thing. Relying upon themselves and not the Lord. And just as a side note here for you uh, Bible nerds like me, this verse, verse 2, when it says, when Isaiah calls Israel a rebellious people, this statement was so offensive to the people of Israel that Isaiah was put to death for verse 2, for calling them a rebellious people. Manasseh, the king had Isaiah sawn in two for this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 37, talks about those who were sawn asunder, or sawn in two for the faith. And it's a reference to Isaiah's death. Isaiah was put to death for calling Israel a rebellious people who follow their own ways instead of God's ways. He was, he was killed for telling the truth. It goes on here in verse 3. Again, the Lord speaking of Israel, a people who provoke me to anger continually to my face. Now, God is described in the Bible as a God who is slow to anger, but Israel provoked God to anger continually. It says to his face, to his face. You know, they they didn't try to hide their sin from God. They flaunted it in his face. Openly, they flaunted it defiantly. The nation of Israel lost its fear of God. And once they lost their fear of God, they flaunted their sin openly in God's face. They they didn't try to hide it at all out of fear of the Lord. They lost their fear. You know, as, as you read through the Old Testament, 
you see that during times of revival in the nation of Israel, the people would no longer allow the practice of sin publicly or openly. They would remove it from the land. They would remove it from the public square. They would outlaw it. They would forbid it. But then when the nation would backslide and turn away from the Lord, they would allow sin in the public square again. They would allow uh, sin in the open. To use a modern term, they would legalize it. And you see this throughout the Old Testament where the nation goes back and forth. And you can kind of tell where the nation is spiritually, where their fear of the Lord is by whether they're allowing sin openly in the nation or whether they're forbidding it and outlawing it in the nation. I think that's true for any nation. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. In verse 3, Israel was provoking the Lord to anger, and we're told here in verse 3, what provoked God was their idolatry and all of the practices that went along with their idolatry. In verse 3, it goes on and says, They sacrifice in gardens and burn incense on altars of brick, again to idols, who sit among the graves and spend the night in the tombs. This is uh, talking about trying to communicate with the dead necromancy, that kind of thing. Again, something that God forbids in his law. They just did it openly. They eat swine's flesh. Again, forbidden in the law of God. And verse 4, where it talks about them sitting among the graves, spending the night in the tombs, eating swine's flesh. It makes me think of the demon-possessed man of Gadara. Remember, he lived in the tombs, and there was swine nearby, and Jesus cast the demons out of the man into the herd of swine. Remember that story in the Gospels? Remember the demons didn't want to leave that area? They wanted to stay there. They were happy there. It's kind of what they're describing here in verse 4. They eat the broth of abominable things in their vessels. And the the idea here is creatures and critters that are uh, forbidden by the law of Moses. They're making soup out of them and eating it. These people, Israel, they are unashamedly and flagrantly rebelling against God. They're in his face about it. And what is God doing the whole time that they are rebelling against him? He's standing with his arms wide open, inviting them back. So that's the heart of our God. He says, all day long, I've got my hands out, got my arms open. I'm ready to receive them back. And they're just flaunting their sin in my face, but I'm standing there with my arms open. That's the heart of our Lord towards the rebellious person and towards the sinner. In fact, turn over to Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 12. 
Go and proclaim these words toward the north, the northern kingdom of Israel, and say, Return, backsliding Israel, says the Lord. I will not cause my anger to fall on you, for I am merciful, says the Lord. I will not remain angry forever. Only acknowledge your iniquity, that you've transgressed against the Lord your God, and have scattered your charms to alien deities. Under every green tree and you have not obeyed my voice, says the Lord. Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you one from a city and two from a family and I will bring you to Zion. I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And you see here God pleading with Israel to return to him, return backsliding Israel, he says to them, I'm married to you. You're my wife. I want you to come back to me. And you see the Lord pleading with them to come back. That's God's heart. That's God's heart towards the backslider. That's God's heart towards the rebellious person. Again, they're flaunting their sin in his face. And he's pleading with them to come back. That's the Lord's heart. Now go back to Isaiah 65 and look at verse 5. Now watch verse 5. Verse 5 is such a shocking verse. Again, this is speaking of, this is a rebellious Israel and what they're saying to the Lord God. So they're speaking to God here in verse 5, who say, keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I am holier than you. God says, these are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all the day. So rebellious Israel speaking to God says, keep to yourself. Don't come near me, for I am holier than you. They thought they were holier than God. That's shocking that in their sin, they could come to the place where they believed that they were holier than God, that they were right And God is wrong. And they were saying, I don't want to have anything to do. I don't want to have anything to do with God. If he condemns me. For the way that I'm living my life. They're saying, you know, I I think, you know, what I'm doing should be accepted. And if God doesn't accept what we're doing, then I don't want to have anything to do with him. And I think that. If God condemns what I'm doing, then that's a hateful, unloving, uncaring God. And and they see themselves now, their point of view, as holy or better than God's point of view. And I I would say verse 5 describes many people in our culture today have that same kind of attitude towards God where they they say, I don't want to have anything to do with a God who says my lifestyle is wrong. And I don't believe a God like that. You know, I I believe a God who is inclusive and accepting of everyone. And if your God condemns me for what I'm doing, I don't have anything to do with that kind of God. And they think that their way of thinking is better than God's way of thinking. That's our culture today. You know, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, it warns us of the the deceitfulness of sin. 
and how sin can twist the way that we see the world and twist the way that we see God and twist the way that we think of God. And it talks about in Hebrews chapter three, how our sin can deceive us and cause us to become hard against God, it says. And that's what happens to many people in our culture today. That's what was happening in Israel and Isaiah's day. And at the end of verse five, the Lord says, these are smoke and my nostrils a fire that burns all the day. This is what really makes God angry. This is what really makes God angry. That they would have kind of this prideful attitude. Behold, it is written before me. I will not keep silence, but will repay, even repay into their bosom your iniquities and the iniquities of your fathers together, says the Lord, who have burned incense on the mountains and blasphemed me on the hills Therefore, I will measure their former work into their bosom. God says he's going to judge their sin. He's going to judge their sin in verse seven when he says your iniquities and the iniquities of your fathers. You know, he's taking away the excuse of, well, this is this is the way that my dad was. And my dad did this. He acted this way. This is the way my dad worshiped. You know, it's just what we do. And he's saying, well, I'm, I'm going to judge your sin. I'll judge your father's sin and whoever else. It doesn't matter the reason or why you're doing this. When he says here at the end of verse seven, he's going to measure their former work into their bosom. When he says into their bosom, the idea is, is he's, he's going to drop his judgment right into their laps. Right into their laps. You know, one of the things that verses six and seven shows us is it, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter what our opinion is of God. That doesn't change God. God's not persuaded by what we think of him. He doesn't change his opinion. Uh, he doesn't change his, his plan. He doesn't change his judgment based on what we think of his judgment. And he doesn't change. He stays the same. And a person can say, well, I, I don't believe God, or I don't believe God will judge me for what I'm doing or I don't think a God of love would judge me for my lifestyle. That doesn't change the fact of who God is. And it doesn't change the fact of what God says in his word. And it doesn't change God's judgment. And it doesn't change the fact that God said the only way to escape his judgment is through faith in Jesus Christ. It just doesn't change. Verse 8, we see the, the mercy of God here. Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster. And one says, well, do not destroy it, for a blessing is in it. So will I do for my servant's sake, that I may not destroy them all. And and here the illustration that the Lord uses is that of a cluster of grapes that is, it's beyond its expiration date. It's, It's rotten at this point, except that there are a few grapes in the cluster that are still ripe. And what God is saying is he's talking about a remnant in Israel. There's a remnant in Israel that loved God, that remained faithful to God, even though the majority of the nation was in rebellion against God. And God's saying he's not going to judge that remnant along with the rebellious. He's going to spare the remnant. He asked me how I know and I say, bring 
We're so glad you joined us today for Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. If you missed any part of this message or would like to hear additional teachings from this series, they're available to you for free at calvaryec.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. That way you will have access to each message as soon as it's made available online. That website again is calvaryec.com. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, we'd love for you to worship with us this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com or give us a call. We can be reached at 410-491-4592. Again, that phone number is 410-491-4592. We look forward to you joining us as our guests. And please, take a moment to introduce yourself to Pastor Dan after the service and let him know you listen to Ring of Truth. With that, our time with you has come to an end today on Ring of Truth. Join Pastor Dan next time for more from this verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of Isaiah. Right here on Ring of Truth. Rings true.